Corey Hybe, Chris Harrington, and Aaron Courtney, three broads, bringing you stories and strategies exploring manufacturing topics that challenge the status quo while laying the foundations for future success. Together with special guests, they'll celebrate what's working and unpack what is not so you can learn, grow, and succeed. You want to learn more about your hosts? Make sure to listen to episode one. Chris, you know, we do a question of the day in my office. And this morning, one of the gals asked, it was a really positive question. Like, what is a, a personal value of yours that you try to live by on a daily basis? So I'm curious, what's yours? Then I'll share mine. Ooh, I have a personal value that is to show up. I know it's not usually something that comes up on a value list when you're picking which values you really resonate with, but through my history and training, I always have this attitude of, I got to show up, which means, you know, and I, I, I extend it a little further, show up, do the work, leave people better than you found them. And I think when I carry that with me, for me, it just... Uh, reminds me that I, you know, we might jump into something that's going to require either a difficult conversation or we're going to try to solve a challenge, but just show up, be present and dive in. And I, I just have kind of loved that little mantra for myself. And so that's mine. What's yours? I love, I love that. Somewhat similar, a little different. I mean, number one core value is like education is ties into it, but I very much believe in having a pay it forward mentality and really setting other people up for success. So I do whatever I can, whether it's motivate, encourage, or give people the tools and resources that they, they need to, to do whatever it is that they want to do and be successful at it. So yeah, I can see how those two are very similar actually, but just you know, do what I can to, to help other people rise. Yeah, I love it. And I, I have definitely seen that from you. So Aww, living well, your value. You. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that. All right. Well, let me introduce today's guest. Craig Lauder is the author of Smooth Selling Forever and co-author of the soon to be released. And it is actually probably released by the time this episode is live. Trusted Advisor Confidential is a lead conversion sales effectiveness expert with a 40-year track record of helping both business owners and independent trusted advisors achieve their sales growth goals. He is the founder and president of Mainspring Sales Group. Lauder has worked with over 60 companies and independent trusted advisors, increased first-year annual sales from 21 to 142%. That is quite impressive. He yeah. speaks extensively on the topics, the star guide for smooth selling forever, smooth selling forever, charting your company's course for predictable and sustainable sales growth, and the Navstar client acquisition system. For many groups and, and associations, I've actually heard him speak on one of those topics. I don't remember exactly which one it was. I think it was the Navstar one. I could be wrong. Groups that he's spoken to include Vistage, which is the world's largest CEO peer-to-peer -peer association, the Turnaround Management Association, and Craig has also been featured at Entrepreneurial Operating System Group events. That's fascinating. I did not know that. Craig, welcome to the show. Woo-woo. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. I'm honored and I'm humbled to be in front of two such stars. Well, excited to have you here. I'm just going to pick your brain about your, your being featured at the, um, an EOS event because I, we, I would say we self-facilitate EOS right now. I had a facilitator at one point, but yeah. Oh, cool. I didn't know that. But yeah, I'd love to hear the answer as well. So I've worked since about 2015 
for over 30 EOS-run companies, and I've also worked with their counterparts, the Pinnacle Group. And where they're working horizontally across the entire organization, I'm working down that vertical sliver of sales, marketing, and customer satisfaction, customer retention. So we collaborate tightly quite nicely together. I'm a big recommender of the EOS system. To be successful, you have to have a system. Systems should run your business and you need to hire people that are able to execute your system effectively. Wow, that's great. I'm sure what you're going to talk about with my next question is going to kind of align with that very closely. So you've got the the Navstar client acquisition presentation. Is that the one that I heard you speak at in Chicago? Yes, it is, so. Lori. It was. Okay. Yeah, that was great. So can you share with our listeners what the six stars are of the Navstar client acquisition system that help generate significant, predictable, and sustainable new client growth? Absolutely. You know, like the ancient mariners, they had to chart their course and they followed the stars. And based on a 40-year track record of trial and error and learning, I came up with this system that I believe that everyone either in sales or as a trusted advisor should follow. It starts with targeting, targeting the right fit clients or customers that you're seeking. It's foundational. If you don't get that right, you can't get any of the other five stars right. Secondly is messaging. And that's your area, Lori, is is. making (laughs) sure that they have a message that resonates with their target audience so that they're able to sell to them, communicate with them on a value to value basis. Third is process. You need to have a mapping process to convert your leads. And it all starts with, you have to understand your customer's buyer journey, and you have to develop a map for lead conversion. And there's typically three of them. One is new client acquisition. Two is upsell, cross-sell. So you have an existing client. There's an opportunity or there's a need to sell them more or sell them a different solution. And third is reorder. You've done business with a client and it's time for them to re-up. And certainly fourth is sales success standards, which many of us call KPIs, (laughs) but it's a more positive connotation when you're talking about sales success standards. And sales success standards should be focused not only on the results that you're trying to achieve, but the activities to get you there. Because you see, results are lagging indicators of success. We need to focus on leading indicators to make sure that we create enough of the acti- right activities and do them well. And if you if you do that, then you're going to win the race. You're going to win the opportunity for a new client. Fifth, and I should star is all about lead generation. And I could probably defer this to you, Lori. Uh, because that's what you do. Mm-hmm. And if you talk to most trusted advisors, their biggest challenge is, I don't have enough leads. Yeah. The leads that I'm getting are not good. What do I need to do differently? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, we have to, that's, you know, the fifth step in the ladder. we got a target. we got a message. We have to have a process so that when we do have a lead come in the door, it's something that we know how to handle. Trusted advisors, what I've typically seen, and even in small and mid-sized businesses, statistics show that 80% of our business comes from referrals, but that in many cases, that's handled accidentally. That's need to be done intentionally 
and deliberately. And in the new book that's coming out, I created a, a trademark tool called the Connector Compass. And it's very, very simple. It's really all about identifying those categories of connectors that are good referral sources for you that you can create a mutually beneficial, a reciprocal relationship with them. So once you identify the categories, pick one, two, definitely no more than three people that you want to work with in each category because it needs to be reciprocal. And if one of your connectors provides you an opportunity and you handle it well, they may hand you another one and another one. And at some point in time, there's going to see as remember, you remember Clara Peller? You're too young to remember, aren't you, Lori? And you too, Chris. <laughs> Where's the beef? Okay. Oh, say, I do remember yeah. now that you say that. <laughs> so they're going to say, well, and they may not say it. And that's the insidious and the scary part about it. They may be thinking, well, I thought you were going to reciprocate. I thought we were partners. I thought we were going to work together. Mm -hmm. And all it takes is one call from somebody else, one call, that's all. We know that here in Milwaukee, and they're off in a way. Speaking in small scale seminars or workshops is highly effective. As, mm -hmm. you, as you mentioned, my bio, along with referrals, is speaking in front of target rich audiences is incredibly important. As you know, Lori, writing a book is an excellent strategy mm -hmm. in that it is, in essence, becomes your business card. And most people that do what we all do out there don't have books. And I'm going to let you go on about lead generation. There are a number of other strategies, but those are my <laughs> top three strategies. Referrals, those are great. public speaking and books. Yeah, great. those are, yeah. And, and the sixth star is having a healthy funnel. How many opportunities do I have in that funnel? What are they valued at? Because we need to have enough, if you will, in the hopper in order to achieve our objectives. In most cases, there's no correlation. There's no planning. There's no thought. It's reactionary. Well, looks like I've got enough. Well, looks like I'm short. I'm going to have to get some more leads. But there's no mathematical discussion about if I want to earn this amount of income, I need to create this amount of activity, which will result in this many customers with this dollar value of the mm -hmm. relationship so that I can make my numbers. So those are the six. Targeting, messaging, sales process, mapping, or client acquisition mapping. Oops, I said it again. Mm -hmm. Trusted advisors, particularly those who have letters after their name, they've seen Tommy, they've seen Tinman, they've seen Glengarry Glen Ross, and they go, I'm a JD, I'm a CFP, I'm a CPA. I'm not going to lower myself to being a salesperson. So you never say sales to a trusted advisor, which I just made the mistake of saying. You may <laughs> get away with business development, which is the same thing as sales. You won't get any rejection or any pushback if you say client acquisition, because just about everyone is seeking to increase their portfolio of right fit clients. Uh, yeah. I mean, the six stars are so much value there. And, you know, as a leader of a business, you often, I can check off some of these and I'm like, yeah, we're doing this really well. But then, you know, as I hear you speaking, definitely I'm thinking, well, we could probably do a little bit more there. Let, let's let dive into the targeting. And it, this kind of reminds me, Lori, of one of our good friends and somebody that's been on the show in the past, you know, niche down until it hurts Mr. Mm -hmm. Kirk Anderson, right? Mm -hmm. oh, yeah. But, you know, do you have a proven approach that you can tell us about that helps save time when you're trying to target that right audience? Yes, it's in my mind and my experience, a two-step two process. 
I start with grading your current clients and or customers. A for awesome, B for basic, C can't deal with, and D dead. Or as many of us say, why? Why are we doing business with those people? Mm -hmm. And that's designed to provide context around the next step is creating ideal client or customer profile. Mm -hmm. It's hard if, to do that if you start doing it in a vacuum, but you start referencing your best of the best customers. What characteristics do they exhibit? Geographic, demographic, psychographic. And your worst customers, now all of a sudden, the crystal ball starts to become a lot clearer on what good looks like and what bad looks like. Because we want to focus our time on the good ones, qualify hard on the front end. And if we're not a fit, be very honest and say, mm -hmm. I'm probably not the right fit for you. You save them time, you gain credibility and respect because you walked away. And if you can refer someone else to them who may be a better fit, that's even better because they may refer you to somebody else who's a better fit. Yeah, no, such good advice. I, you know, I, I know that we have done that in our history. I love referring people that come to us that really just aren't the right fit and referring them to friends in, in the network and, and knowing that they're going to be well taken care of. And I, I think your, your labeling of existing customers, yeah, is, is truly valuable because it gets everybody thinking about you know, when you go into that next exercise of ICP, you can, you have customers you can look at and everybody can have a sense of, yeah, that's why they're the perfect fit. That's why mm -hmm. they're awesome. Right. Totally. So that's well, great. Chris, as you, as you know, and Laura, you know, that's the low hanging fruit. Mm -hmm. If we've done a great job for somebody, they may be looking for us to offer something else that we can create value with them. Definitely seen that numerous times. Yeah. Well, and and I have a question for you, Craig, because certainly this is true in our industry. You know, the sales cycle for closing business today, especially after COVID, you know, everybody's working remote there, or not everybody, but more people than ever are working remote. And there are fewer in-person meetings taking place. How do we shorten that sales cycle? Do you have some advice on that? Several thoughts around that. Number one, know your buyer journey. Everything starts with a buyer journey. Put your customer hat on your target audience and saying, if I were to make a decision for my products or services, what step would I go through? Then you need to choreograph the dance. Build the sales mapping process from the customer's point of view because the lead conversion process, we want to be going down the road in the same direction at the same speed that our prospective client is going, maybe a little bit ahead of them in being able to offering them A and B, chocolate or vanilla options in order to guide them in terms of making an informed purchasing decision for themselves. Because in many cases, they haven't purchased with from someone like us for maybe forever, maybe it's been three to five years and they don't know how to purchase. Mm -hmm. So we have to guide them through the process. The third thing, because of the pandemic, and there was a great article that was put out by McKinsey right in was November of 2020, after an associate of mine, and Lori knows him, put me in Forbes talking about what's going on in, in the virtual world. And as I say today, we're in a virtual selling world and digital self-serve are the drivers. And in the McKinsey report, which was shocking, I think, to a lot of people, do you think the sellers are driving virtual selling? No, the buyers are buying virtual selling. Why? Shorter buying processes. They could get more people involved in the decision process, shorter meetings, 
more impactful meetings because of the convenience that virtual offers us, just like we're doing today. So mm -hmm. I always say the best in breed trusted advisors in our companies are taking what was original in-person meetings and converting them into virtual meetings and taking telephone conversations and converting them into virtual meetings. Because if we're on camera, as we know, communication is mostly body language, facial mm -hmm. expression, and being able to read that and saying, hey, Chris, uh, I, I, you're nodding your head, you understand, but I can see something in your face or your eyes. It's just not resonating with you. Help me understand what you're thinking, how you're mm -hmm. feeling right now. The nonverbal is so important to the entire conversation and the relationship. Yeah, thank you for that. Wonderful. Yeah. It's definitely changed. The world has yeah. changed in a lot of ways, but it's kind of a good transition right now to go to something that I just learned that because mine kind of ties to that a little bit. But first, I'm going to ask Chris for you to finish this sentence. Um, what is something that you just learned? Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I was prepping for a webinar and I shared this on my webinar yesterday, but you know, I know not everybody gets a chance to watch those. So I'm going to repeat something here because I think it's just so important and it really ties into what Craig just mentioned about digital. And that is, I think we talked about this at one time that the population, the global population of the world has exceeded 8 billion and that happened last November. So I think I actually remember us speaking about that. But what's interesting is that 69% of the global population has a mobile phone subscription. 69% wow. or more than 5.5 billion people have a mobile phone subscription. Also, more than 5 billion or 64% of the population are using the internet, right? Mm -hmm. And then another 4.8 billion or 60% are using social media. So when we think about the proliferation of these tools in our life, and we think about where we have to be today to meet the needs of our customers and users, partners, you know, where, where our employees have a, a more natural affiliation, we need, these are big, big, big numbers, and they're only growing. So I, I just think that's so important to share as we just think about everything that we create, you know? Yeah. Leaning into technology is extremely important to, to stay ahead of the game, but also I think on the AI and automation side of things, yeah. it's use it from an efficiency standpoint so we can have more of that human to human relationship as well. Right, right. What did you just learn, Lori? Oh, well, mine's not as exciting as yours, but it's still it kind of, like I said, ties into the whole transition from post-pandemic activity. So Unilever, you know, Dove is like probably the biggest brand that most consumers are familiar with and a ton of other deodorant type brands. Well, they, because there's this kind of emphasis on working, returning back to the office from a lot of bigger companies. <laughs> this is funny. They had a surge in deodorant sales in the last quarter, <laughs> like up to 15%. So like people wow. weren't wearing deodorant at all, but like, I don't know. I, if I'm just by myself, I guess I'm sometimes I don't, I don't care, but <laughs> I was just thinking about it. I just thought that was funny. So people weren't buying deodorant when they were working from home. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm sure there are. I'm sure there are a list of things, right? Oh, um, for sure. That's 
That's a really interesting one for sure. <laughs> Craig, what about you? What's something you just learned? It was an observation that I felt it, but then I started thinking about it is if you remember back several years ago and you're talking to people and you ask them, well, what's your communication love language? Would you like me to call you mm -hmm. or email you? And what I discovered early on, if you ask people, would it be okay if I text you? They would say, oh, yeah, yeah, I get too many voice messages. I get too many emails. I never check those. So it was at that time was asked for permission. And what I found now, and I, it's observation, I didn't realize that everybody is using text now. It's automatic mm -hmm. because of those reasons. I don't pick up my phone if I don't know the number and I don't recognize the name. And I get, and I don't know what you've both seen, and I'd love to hear from you, email marketing, social, oh, it's become ungodly. I get three to 400 messages a day. I'm a learner and I like to subscribe. And now it's to the point where I got my finger on the delete button right now. Yeah. And you better yeah. have a good subject line. Yeah, I, I'm with you on that one. And there are days, so there are days where I'm just deleting. And then there are other days I'm going in and I'm canceling. I'm going to get off the list, mm -hmm. right? And so I stop seeing all this stuff. But, you know, I, it, that's a really interesting observation, Craig, because I will say that when a prospective client or somebody I'm, I'm just starting to network with or talk to or build a relationship and they show up in my DM, so they they actually text message me. I actually feel like that's kind of special. I don't know. When you said that, I, I had the memory that I'm like, oh, they, you know, they texted me, you know, that there is something that's almost affirming about that. So mm -hmm. very interesting observation. I really didn't think about it until you said it, how I feel, how it makes me feel when I receive one. So yeah. I, think we, I still think we need to be a little careful because some people may think that's too invasive. So I always ask, which the permission, sure. yeah. I like yeah, that. Yeah, that's great. I am sensitive about who I give my cell phone number out to, but I I do agree that when someone, it, it is a different level of the relationship when you have that level of access to communicate with someone. Yeah, that's good. And tons of marketing data out there on that. I'm not going to dive into that right now, but there's definitely like live chat and texting tend to be the most instant level of gratification from getting information. So people prefer that method of communication, typically over email or filling out contact forms or calling. Can I ask you yeah. both a question? Sure. What has been happening in the last three to four months now on mobile? Somebody says, call you and you get an automated message says, I'm in a meeting, I'll call you back. Are you receiving those? Because to me, it's gotten annoying. People that don't want to pick up their phones, they're just either ignoring it or they're hitting a button and you're getting this canned text message back. I'm in a meeting. I don't mind it, honestly. I think it's nice to... I don't do that often, but I'd say it's more like my sister and my husband are probably the ones that send those messages to me the most, but I appreciate it. Like, Hey, heads up. I'm, I can't answer your call right now. And here's why. So. Yeah. And I would say the same. I haven't felt like it's canned. I felt like it's authentic in that they're truly in a meeting and mm -hmm. they recognize that they see my call and that they hit it off. And they're just telling me, I, I got it. I'll call you, you know, later. So I've always felt it's pretty authentic. It hasn't been over the top, I guess. I would agree with that. Do you understand that that is automated now? So if they don't want to take your call, you get their canned automated message, just like you do an, an away message on email. Yeah, that yeah. doesn't bother me. I think if it's, it's, it hasn't gotten to a point of being burdensome, at least in my experience. Yeah. Well, I think this is the old man coming out in me. And, and uh, it could be that generational, yeah, you know, sometimes yeah. 
that's uh, just uh, living out the generational differences, right? Absolutely. I like hearing your, your feeling about it and thoughts about it because then, you know, as we're approaching different people, maybe we do it differently with some that we would do with others. And that's okay too. All right, Craig. So we're kind of approaching the end of the show. Why don't you chat about your book for a quick minute and then share with our listeners how they could reach you if they'd like to get in touch. Well, thank you for the opportunity, Lori. The book, as you mentioned up front, is called Trusted Advisor Confidential. It's filled with ideas and real life stories. I call them commuter books because the type of thing, if you lived in Chicago, train right down to the city and train right back, you could read it. So it's a little over 100 pages, but it's meant to be light reading. It's going to be complemented with a 160-page workbook slash toolkit. It's cut and paste some of the concepts and stories from the book, but it's filled with 31 do-it-yourself tools, and they're designed to be user-fillable forms and downloadable. And I've created it that if someone were to invest in the book and the workbook, I'm hoping without instruction that they're going to be able to do it on their own, just like grading your customers and creating an ideal customer profile, buying personas, connector compass, sales process mapping, developing a scorecard, et cetera, et cetera. So that'll be coming out in, in January. If people would like to learn more, and again, thank you for asking, they can call me, Craig Lauder, at 630-649-4943. And no, I'm not a fib. I live right here in Milwaukee. Or you can email me at Craig, C-R-A-I-G, at smoothselling, not sailing, selling.com, smoothsellingforever.com. Great. We'll include all, all of that information in our show notes. Thank you so much for being on the show today, Craig. Yes. Thank you, Craig. I'm honored. I'd love to have you on some podcasts that uh, I'm going to be facilitating. Sounds amazing. All right. This is Three Broads, bringing you stories, strategies, and exploring manufacturing topics that challenge the status quo while laying the foundation for future success. Three Broads, wrapping up. Reach out. We'd love to hear from you. This wraps up today's broadcast. If you're looking to shake up the status quo at your organization or just want to connect with these broads, visit mfgbroadcast.com. Contact Lori Hybe for your strategic digital marketing initiatives. Contact Chris Harrington for OEM and aftermarket digital solutions. And contact Aaron Courtney for web-based solutions for your complex business problems. We've got a great offer specifically for our listeners. You can find more information about the offers and your hosts at mfgbroadcasts.com.